Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome. We have a very special one-shot Call of Cthulhu game today. We have Adam Scott Glancy running, and the players are Ken Height, Cody Goodfellow, and myself. Uh, we'll be playing German soldiers flying in a Zeppelin. I'm sure nothing will go wrong at all. It should just be a, a nice, easy flight. And, uh, you, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll be fine. This this scenario combines three of everybody's favorite things. Uh you're sailors, not soldiers, you fool. You probably yeah. got it wrong. You doomed us all with your ignorance. <laughs> yes. Uh, it involves uh, falling to your death, uh, drowning, because you'll be over the ocean most of the time, and uh, burning to death. So it's like all the best things in one place. I like those options. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, give you the title. Uh, the name of the scenario is, of course, the is last... There, is there not an actual... Uh, layout of the Zeppelin? Um, well, what you've got there I mean, is... We got that sort of side view, but yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. like a... What you want is an overhead view, is what you're looking for. And, is that what I'm looking for? Yeah, well, if you're talking about a layout of the Zeppelin. Um, let me just give you the title of the scenario. It is The Last Flight of the L-58. You are the crew of the Kaiserliche Marine Imperial Navy uh, airship L-58 who will be performing a top-secret mission to Persia, launched from the German airship base at Jambol, Bulgaria. Um, basic layout of the airship works like this. I have, uh, I'm, was working, I have not finished uh, my design of the keel. The airship is basically made up of two basic parts. The envelope, which is the the, the, the big frame that you see with the canvas stretched over it, filled with gas bags. That's the envelope. Hanging below that are the gondolas, all right? The airship has four gondolas, a, com a control gondola, a uh, engine gondola in the rear, and in the middle, uh, offset so that they're on the sides of the airship or a little further up the sides of the, of the uh, envelope, are what they call literally engine nacelles. They are engines exterior to the airship that engineering crews have to climb out onto in a ladder, you know, and uh, work on the engines and, and uh, maintain them while the airship is in flight. Running along the bottom of the envelope, connecting all of these uh, gondolas, is what is called the keel. Now, if you'll go to... Uh, one of your illustrations down here, you've got a, uh, a thing called Zeppelin cross-section. Yeah. If you'll open that up, you'll see this, this, this thing showing the gangway and uh, a head-on look at, at uh, the cross-section. All right. If you look down at the bottom of that cross-section... Uh, what you've got is this little sort of area where there's these uh, some there's some structural braces that go out to the sides, uh, and there's a triangular area at the very bottom. That triangular area is the walkway, the, the the basically the only place around the airship that you can move inside the envelope. Now there are ladders between every gas bag. And they allow you to go all the way up to the top of the envelope and actually emerge onto the dorsal surface. Um, and also allow you to move around and inspect parts of the bag. But that area at the bottom, that area is really the only, you know, sort of cargo area, area where bombs can be carried, area where materials can be stored. It's where the fuel tanks are. 
All right. Uh, I also believe I've included some illustration to show how the fuel tanks are set up in this thing. Um, they're just literally huge 55 gallon drum style tanks that line either side of the gangway. All right. Um, so as far as the layout as the airship goes, there's that gangway that connects the all the way along the bottom of the airship, goes all the way to the rear, all the way to the, the nose. Um, that area is where all the, the fuel is, and a few spare parts are stored in there, like spare props and things. But um, it's also where hammocks are slung if the crew can actually get time to sleep. Um, but other than that, what you're dealing with is the gondolas that hang below the airship. Does any of that make sense as far as how this, 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 what this environment is basically structured like? Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. Yep. Now I will point out that there is a, there's a picture called L55 control car I want you to take a look at, which okay. is not the best photograph. So if you can blow it up, that would be, uh, yeah, like 150. You'll see that there are literally, the, the, to get in and out of the control car and the engine car to the Two rear. ladders. Yeah. There's two freaking exposed ladders. Exposed, yeah. <laughs> All right? Now, on the plus side, I will note that the hatch you will be going in and out of has the ladder to the rear of the hatch so that wind from forward momentum blows you against the ladder rather than away from the ladder. <laughs> That's that Kansai engineering you hear about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the environment coming in and out of the gondolas. You are exposed to the elements. It is that freaking scary. Wow. Okay? That's, that's part of the environment you're going to be dealing with. I will also note that uh, the things like the uh, engine gondola and the... Um, uh, engine nacelles are not solid constructions. They are essentially frames of aluminum over which canvas has been stretched to, in order to reduce weight. You are on board what they call a high flyer, which were Zeppelins designed to maximize altitude to defeat interception <coughs> and anti-aircraft fire. So, it's one of the reasons that there's not a, a ton of machine guns on board this thing, like the airships from two years earlier, which were festooned with Maxim guns, uh, to not much necessary effect. Um, but anyways, uh, you do have an image on there of, uh, of things like the dorsal machine gun position. Uh, you have images of the, uh, the engine gondola. Uh, you have images on there of the, of the... There's actually deck plan layouts for the command gondola. Uh, the engine nacelles, things like that. So what yeah. weapons are on board? I mean, we've got this dorsal machine gun, do we, and we yeah. have bombs, or do we not have bombs? Well, <laughs> this, is your, this is your mission. Uh, you guys are your commanding officers. Uh, well, then I guess that includes you, Mr. Vogler, since Mr. Yes, it does. It's Mr. You. Mr. Height will be playing uh, Carl Michael Vogler, uh, our second in command on the ship. Um, yes, so... Um, the deal is, is that you guys are going to be uh, taking a little jaunt to Persia. This is a uh, follow-up to the not as not terribly successful mission to Africa that was performed late last year by the L-59. Uh, is anyone familiar with that? No. No. All right. Okay. So um, let's see here. Hold on just a second. I'm suddenly forgetting my German's name. Ah, there you go. Good old Paul 
Von Lutte Vorbeck. Yay! Was the German desert fox for World War One? Except I guess he was the jungle fox uh, or veldt fox or whatever they have down in Tanganyika. He ran around down in Tanganyika with about mm, maybe between at best ten thousand, at worst about three thousand guys, and managed to tie down about one hundred and fifty thousand British troops, colonials mostly, South Africans, things like that tie them down in Africa when they could have been on the, the, the Western Front. He did it on the cheap. Uh, last year, there was an attempt to uh, fly a Zeppelin loaded with supplies down to Von Letta of Warbeck. And literally, so just one-way mission, crash the Zeppelin, unload the supplies. It, you know, it was things like radios, replacement machine gun barrels, uh, things like medicine for various fevers and whatnot, and try and, you know, uh, extend the war effort uh, down there and uh, keep the British tied up again uh, because, uh, you know, um, you do not want all those Indian troops on the Western Front. Um, anyways, uh, Von Letta of Orbeck, the mission didn't work. Uh, the, the, the airship performed, the L-59 performed the longest continuous air, air mission up to that point in time. Uh, but turned around and went back to Jambol because they received information. This is some confusion on this point. Some have suggested that they, they, they received information that the that von Letta Vorbeck had surrendered and that there's no reason to continue the mission. Uh, it has been said that the British, the British have tried to claim that they, you know, sent bad radio transmissions to fool the Germans and to turn around and going back. I'm not completely sure about that, but... The Germans did turn around and go home and didn't complete the mission, but they got as far as southern Sudan before they turned around and went back. Spent about 96 hours in the air, continuously. Um, it might have been more than that. Uh, but anyways, uh, that was the L-59's mission. The Germans are going to try something similar here with you guys. Uh, in Persia, because, you know, there's always got to be a German version of everything, there is, uh, in Persia right now, the German version of Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, there's a guy named Wasmus, uh, who is a German foreign service officer, who is doing his darndest to keep the Persians annoyed at the British and the Russians. Now, it's 1918, January. The Russians are having all kinds of problems uh, involving, involving Bolsheviks. They're kind of out of it. Um, kind of out of the war at this point. But... Wasmus is down there trying to get the local Persian tribesmen to be a problem. And he's being relatively successful on zero budget. He has, had, he has managed to smuggle communications out through neutral powers uh, and their envoys in Tehran. And um, over the last couple of months, a plan has been put together to send the L-58 to Persia to drop off supplies that will be used against Persian tribes, used by the Persian tribesmen to give the British and their oil companies a hard time in the Persian Gulf area. Uh, not only will you be dropping off boatloads of Mausers, but you will also be picking up a spattering of, of German civilians and military officers who've been marooned in Persia. Um, a lot of these guys are POWs who wandered out of Places like Uzbekistan, when the Tsarists just abandoned their prison camps in Central Asia. Apparently, a lot of them just, a lot of these camps, 
were just literally the, the, the guard just walked away. And they then became very prime recruiting grounds for the Bolsheviks to create an army out of nothing. The Red Army in Central Asia during the Civil War is mostly made up of Hungarians and Austrians. There's, it's, it's weird. There's almost the, the number of Russians down there is, is minimal uh, when it came to putting uh, Central Asia back under the Bolsheviks and taking it away from some of these nascent uh, Islamic <clears throat> uh, revivals. The, and, and, but that's all future history. Anyways, the point is, is a lot of these, uh, a lot of Germans, a lot of Central Powers guys, and a lot of Turks who've been picked up by the Tsar wandered away from, just could walk out of their camps. And a fair number of them got as far as is Iran. Now, part of this exchange of goods for people is being treated as friendly, but a lot of it is also the person charging going, hey, wouldn't you like to have your people back? I wonder how many rifles it will cost you. All right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not completely friendly. Now, there are a number of Germans who are with Wasmus who are down there acting as advisors and partisans and training the uh, local tribes on how to use Maxim guns and things like that. But it's a relatively precarious situation as far as where these Persians are going to come down. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to pilot the uh, L-58. You'll start off in Alhorn, which is the main uh, base for Zeppelins uh, on the operating against England. You'll be piloting the airship down to Jambol. There'll be a couple of day refit uh, and rest period. And then you will perform the second leg of this, which is across the Black Sea, across the Caucasus, to the city of Gorgon, and then to a predetermined landing spot. Some, I think it's 50 miles or, excuse me, 60 some odd kilometers south inland, I believe, from the city of Gorgon. Allegedly, there is an area that has been picked out that Wasmus has found that he believes that an airship could, in fact, perform an open field landing in. Hmm. Now, it's described as a cleared area filled with a lot of worked stone that can be used as ballast and used to tie down the airship. Ken, this is where you come in. Hurrah! Uh, one of the marvelous things you're going to get to do is execute the only ever, as far as I've been able to determine, nobody else did this during the course of World War One. you're going to perform a parachute jump from an airship in order to get on the ground and then coordinate the uh, local tribesmen and Germans into becoming a ground crew for tying off the airship. I can when see you no drop... way this can go wrong. Ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So that's, that's your little detail. And even if you break both legs, they can carry you around on a litter like John Wayne in The Longest Day, and you can direct, the, uh, direct them on things like don't shoot your guns up in the air to celebrate the airship landing, for instance. Things like that. All right. What else do you guys want to know about the uh, basic uh, how this mission is going to work? Did we get an answer to do we have bombs on the airship, which is the question Absolute. I asked at the beginning of this tirade? No, you don't, because there will be no point in giving airily dropped munitions to a bunch of Persian tribesmen. But I would have thought that would have been obvious to you, Ken. Yeah, right. Uh, you well, know, how you many? Know, we're, we're flying over. We're, we're flying over the uh, currently uh, still uh, whitish Caucasus. So 
Who knows? Uh, at this point, at this point, Georgia is awash in some sort of wave of of, of Georgian nationalism, yes. and in fact, uh, the Germans are working on some sort of um, German mission to Georgia to get them all on the side of the Central Powers. Uh, that will be that is in the works at as we speak. So the George, bombing the Georgians is not. It's right. not recommended at this time. Okay, so no bombs, but we are bringing small arms to Wasmus and his uh, tribesmen. Correct. All right. That is correct. And in terms of offensive equipment on our Zeppelin, we have a machine gun on the dorsal, and that's two. it. Two machine two, guns two, on the dorsal. Two machine guns on the dorsal. So if anything attacks us from above, from above yes, we're good. Well, we can it. placate ourselves so if we're doing something. flying upside yeah. down begins to strike me as our good plan here since we're going to be higher the, um, than anything else can fly by definition. Now, the uh, machine guns uh, are, pin- are, are what they call pintle-mounted. So they, there is a, they're, on a, they're on a... They're on a swivel. Uh, a yeah, swivel, a narrow one. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah, which you can actually uh, move around the airship, and there are swivels mounted in the um, engine gondola and in the control gondola for firing so are, out the windows. So there are hard points elsewhere in the, in the Zeppelin. Yes, even though they're... They're stashed up on the dorsal to keep them out of the way. They're stashed inside the command gondola. Uh, they will they're deployed to the to the dorsal area when the time comes. Uh, but they're actually stashed inside the command gondola. Well, they'll be deployed to wherever the uh, most likely threat vector is when the time comes. Then, bingo. That is why they. That's why they made you the number two. Number two. That is why I am the number two. What? Zwei. Number Zwei. No, but uh, uh, is there a special way to do Tsvai? They're probably this. Hello. <laughs> that seems European. Ich bin der Swittens. 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 Based on uh, a lot of the gear on this mission is based on the cargo manifest for the L-59 when it went to uh, Africa. Uh, as part of that, uh, the only thing that was the only thing that was retained on board the L-59 in the event that the airship crashed, at, you know, in in uh, after having dropped off its supplies, um, if they were able to land it successfully, you know, and unload it without damaging the airship, that was fine. If they went down on the way home, uh, they actually had a small arsenal retained on board the ship, uh, not much, just four Mauser rifles. And the officer, the two officers have their sidearms. Now, this is not the 1940s and the 1930s when crew members were searched before they went on board airships. Uh, if somebody wants to be all sneaky and wants to bring on some sort of, uh, you know, small arms and tiny little, uh, you know, uh, Mauser pistol or something, I'm, I don't necessarily have an objection to that. Because apparently that the, the procedure of searching crewmen doesn't come up until... Eckhart's doing commercial ships in the uh, in the 1930s. Nevertheless, there's not a lot to shoot at at 10,000 feet or 8,000 feet. Generally, you'll be at about 8,000 feet. Any higher than that, you start getting altitude sickness. But um, there is a small arsenal included on the ship for the return trip. Also included for the return trip are boots. Um, you guys are wandering around this ship in felt booties, all right? that would collapse almost immediately if you had to walk on the ground. So, mm-hmm. yes, they've, they've put in a store of boots on the ship. 
should the airship be, you know, crash someplace like the Caucasus. There are also on board the ship uh, some inflatable rafts in case you go down in the Black Sea or the, um, the Caspian. So, gee, they've thought of everything. However, there are only two parachutes on the airship. Hmm. So, uh, again, there's this weird obsession with weight um, and or cowards uh, leaping from the airship and abandoning the scenario. I mean, the mission. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you guys want to know? The airship, uh, uh, does that answer your question? Does that long limited answer your question on armament? Yeah, that's fine. Anybody else? No, no, sounds good. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, the bad news is uh, the day you guys left Alhar and it blew up. The L-58 uh, lifts off the night of what they call the Alhorn disaster, which mm. is uh, a still unexplained series of uh, hangar fires that destroyed like something like three or four Zeppelins in, uh, and um, – damaged the base very badly, um, killed a number of people as well. Not as many as you would suspect. But How could anyone explain that these enormous bags of gasoline and hydrogen caught on fire? Well, there's that basic it's explanation. Mystery. That's the basic explanation, although no one's been able to come up with a good uh, ignition source. Um, uh, certain, you know, post-war people tried to say, oh, it's clearly British intelligence because they're so brilliant. But um, how about... Hydrogen's dangerous. There's a there's a good explanation. Yeah, static, Anyways, static cling. Yeah, so yeah. you guys leave Alhorn just before yeah, the place John. goes boom and get the news in flight, undoubtedly, uh, before landing in Jumbol for a two-day layover while the airship is refitted, uh, the engines re-oiled, whatnot. Uh, the, uh, the crewmen spend their time sleeping as much as they possibly can. Uh, there is a ground crew to do a lot of your maintenance. Is there anything you want to do once you're on the ground in Bulgaria? Except, you know, hang out with Bulgars. Mm -hmm. Anything? Anything? Going once, twice? Probably just right. drink, right? Yeah. Well, I, I will... Standard I will. Bulgarian shore leave, which is similar to Bulgarian prison. <laughs> I, I don't think anything's changed since... <laughs> not much has changed since 19... 1917, 1918. Um, anyways, um, undoubtedly, though, there will be there will be beer. If there are Germans, there is undoubtedly beer. So you've got that going for you. Beer and Slivovitz. It's the yeah. Boilermaker from hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was always very pleased that, uh, you know, Singtao beer apparently was, the reason it's there is that the Germans built a brewery before they started building uh, dry docks. I mean, how could you build dry docks unless there was a brewery providing beer for the German and construction? Would be dry docks, and that would not be right. No, no. There's a there's a there's a goddamn beer ration, and that's the end of that story. In fact, I think the Germans still have a beer ration in their military. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so you guys take off. Since uh, nobody's the navigator, I get to roll for the navigator. All right, you guys uh, load on to the fabulous L-58. Uh, your captain, Captain von Marienberg, looks, um, looks the part. Um, I believe I threw a photograph of Peter Strasser in your, in your layout. Uh, the your, officer, your, your yeah. Yeah, that's actually the guy. That's the Kovat captain who is in charge of the 
entire airship division, who if anyone looked like he should be in charge of airships, it's with that fucking beard. You know, it's it's him. It's it's pretty spectacular. Anyways, um, it's the Navy, so everyone gets stylish beards. Um, so um, there's not much to say about the uh, trip out. Oh, flight surgeon. Kron, I almost Hi. forgot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason you're included on this mission and you would not normally be included on a Zeppelin mission is because of the length of the flight and also because there's those Germans who are going to be pulled out. Right. Most of them are injured. A lot of right. dysentery uh, or other issues. Um, the reason they're being pulled out is because they can't assist Wasmus right. uh, for various reasons. So they're a liability. Um, yeah. They are a liability. And uh, let's just call them meat ballast. You know? <laughs> sure. Um, the, your job is to keep them alive on the flight back. Okay. Um, and um, a lot of that's going to involve – so that's that's part of your, your, your mission. Okay. Uh, the and basic plant – how many? We don't have a solid number. I okay. got that for awesome. Um, the uh, we don't have a solid number. The general presumption, though, is that they're going to be hung in cargo nets, the same cargo nets that are holding the <laughs> the, the crates of Mausers, will then be used to bundle these guys up in blankets, especially the ones with dysentery, because that's going to be great. Shut up, net face. Oh, that's. Not <laughs> <laughs> also a net face. <laughs> much, much like hammocks is what they're hoping. Much like uh, hammocks. Much like hammocks. <laughs> and uh, the idea is to try and keep them calm and quiet and out of the way for the time it's going to take to get back. Yeah. Which, uh, again, is about, uh, I think it's like 33 hours or 34 hours total flight time. And that is presuming a, a constant speed of 44 miles an hour, which is what this airship travels at. Now, right. maximum speed is something like 66, 68 miles an hour, but um, that can eat into your fuel. You have uh, several thousand miles of extra fuel on this right. trip. This airship's range is actually pretty impressive. So... Even burning the engines at, uh, at, at at full speed is not a fuel issue. It's an engine maintenance issue. And engines fail all the time on these airships. But in lieu of bombs, we could dump a whole bunch of fuel on something and set it on fire? Uh, yes. And, right. well, now that, now that you've said that, why don't I expand slightly because I know you're going to like this. Those, those uh, fuel tanks that I showed you, right? Yeah. Um, those big tanks, those are not actually the f fuel tanks that feed the engines. Uh, those are the, where the fuel is stored. Uh, crewmen have to run around with hoses attaching to those tanks and um, manually, I shit you not, manually pump the fuel into a gravity tank that just feeds <laughs> down into the engines. All right? So when a tank is empty, you know, when, when a tank is empty, they, you know, they, they mark it. And if there was a ballast issue, you can, you can detach the fuel tank, and it will drop through a section of the canvas below it that is held closed by literally just by snap buttons. It'll just pop right through that and it's, fall to the ground. It's a bomb bay, yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, if you were to do that with a full fuel tank, yes, you could absolutely drop a full <laughs> fuel tank out the bottom okay. of the airship, and it would crash to the ground, possibly making a spark. When all that aluminum shatters on impact, and yes, they're 
there's a possibility that it could be, maybe you could attach a flare to it. And yes, there are flares on the airship, <coughs> parachute flares. Parachute flares are used to blind ground fire so you won't get hit by any aircraft fire. By throwing these magnesium flares out of the airship with a parachute on it, the idea is that the bright lights between you and the any aircraft gun, they can't see you. So you've got flares on board. So combination flare, fuel tank, you're in business, Cody. You're, you're right. absolutely oh, Dr. Crone, Dr. Crone. Take you know, that, you, Georgians. See? <laughs> yeah. I stay up all night drinking that tea. Drinking our area. There's no offscratch on this machine. Yeah. All right. So, we're so there you go. Enjoy that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, anything else you guys need to know before uh, we get uh, on our way across the fabulous Black Sea? Let's go. All right. All right. Uh, airship launches, already rolled for navigation. Your total flight ends up taking a couple extra hours due to navigational issues. It ends up being, you end up spending about uh, 40 hours in the air. Everyone is uh, attempting cat naps. Now, I will tell you that. This environment you're in is not only cold, is fucking freezing, all right? Okay. It's, it's January, you're over the Caucasus, uh, and you're 8,000 feet up. Not to mention you're, you know, you're moving at 40 miles an hour. Everyone is dressed like Scott of the Antarctic, okay? In fact, you're even wearing uh, a, a sort of leather mask with fur on the inside if you're moving around the envelope. It is that cold, all right? If you touch metal with a bear skin, you're leaving your skin behind. It's that cold. All right. Um, the, key, uh, the, the engine compartments are slightly warmer because the, the engines are right there. But these uh, flight suits that they have are giant parkas. They even have a place where you can plug into electrical outlets around the airship and the suit's heated electrically. All right. Um, there is a lot of electric light on this ship because it is less chance of sparks than any other kind of light. Also, everyone's, uh, everyone's suit is equipped with a flashlight. It's a small box light, light box light, flash, like flashlight, small bulb. You click it on and off when you're in an area of the ship that doesn't have lighting. Pretty much anything off the keel doesn't have lighting. If you're off the keel uh, or not in the gondolas, if you're using the ladders to get up the top, there's no lighting. Anyways, you spend your time uh, doing all the things that you do on board an airship, constantly checking the uh, bags, um, uh, constantly checking the engines. That's what Albert Osler, John, is up to. Uh, you're con constantly in motion, pulling the keel up and down the ladders, checking the various uh, engine sections. For those of you like Ken, who spends most of his time in the gondola, uh, I want to point out that when I showed you that picture of the command gondola, there were two ladders. That's because there's no way to get from the command section of the gondola to the engine section of the gondola without going up into the keel, going across and going down because there's a soundproof wall between the engine and the command area. Soundproof, meh, not so much. This environment is extremely loud. Everyone can hear every engine going, all right? It's a constant roar. Um, the other thing, that, so it's cold. It's loud, and I should point out the one other thing. There's an illustration that's also been thrown in there of what they call the engine telegraph system. 
Now, you know how an engine telegraph works on a ship, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, they have this on a Zeppelin as well. There's an engine telegraph in every engine compartment, and there's also one in the keel. And they basically are what the command gondola uses to tell the engines change speed, turn off the engine, do things like that. But it also includes some other basic instructions, like send someone to the uh, uh, front of the airship, right? Send someone to the command gondola or uh, report to the keel, you know, or something like that. There's very simple, yeah, there's some very simple uh, instructions in there on that engine gondola or that engine, sorry, uh, telegraph. telegraph. So there, if, if you're wondering about how they're going to communicate inside this airship, is there a, uh, a, a, a speaker tube or a um, or a, a, a radio there isn't all right there just isn't it's all using just an arrow that tells you what to do or yelling into each other's ear because that's how loud it is okay all right all right anyways the airship does its journey in about 40 hours which in some ways is not terrible because you end up not having to wait around as long for dawn the basic, uh, the, 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 the flight plan that I have, and I won't worry about the actual hours of takeoff and all that, but it was designed to bring you guys over Gorgon in the earliest hours of the morning. And Gorgon is a city that you can see from the air. It's not lit like a European city uh, at all. It is, uh, but it is, <laughs> it is a, a city of 10,000 cook fires. Everything down there is run on oil and, and wood. And the result is, is that there, you know, you can, you can probably smell the city at this altitude, just smell the, the smoke. And you will have been able to see some of the lights. It is a port city. There's some electrified infrastructure down there. Using that as a, a navigation point, your navigator takes you, uh, uh, waits until dawn so that you guys can actually see the ground and then begins taking the airship inland. Um, let's see here. Uh, Dr. Krohn, since you are currently without patience, I see no reason why you shouldn't be crowding the command gondola or at least looking, uh, finding a way to, to peer out of the envelope um, sure. at this time because it is fabulous and we're, you're about to see Ken commit suicide possibly. So <laughs> yes. it's, it's oh, yeah. got that going for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I've... Uh... So let's get some uh, let, let's get some spot hidden rules all around from you guys as uh, you approach your uh, alleged landing field. Um, how are you doing on the whole not having dice up there, Cody? I've I've got this rolls.org thing set up. So all right, give me a percentage roll. All right, and report me your uh, your 90, uh, results. Ninety one. I got an eighty five. <laughs> you wouldn't have been in a, you would not have been in a position to see it anyways. Ken, go ahead. I've got a sixty-five, which misses mine by ten. Oh, okay. You uh, uh you're you're sure you're over Iran or Persia? The other two are pretty sure they're in an airship. <laughs> Excellent. Let's see. Let's see how the NPCs do. All right, somebody does their job, um, <laughs> eventually, and um, what you're presented with is a rather unnatural looking area there's a forest there's a for, it's a forested area inland mm -hmm. uh, of Borgon. it's uh it's not near 
any water. But you can see from this altitude sort of a maybe what was once a riverbed or a stream bed that runs through the middle of this area because it's just this you know depression you can see from the air but from way up here what you're seeing is gr grassland no no trees uh, uh in an area that's maybe mm, maybe a couple of kilometers on a side and there's a very straight line of demarcation between this open field area and the tree line around here. Right. Right. Um, it looks like someone has cleared this zone. Well, so I hear from the person who actually saw it. <laughs> yeah. Um, certainly it'll all be pointed out to you when somebody goes, look at that. Um, and uh, you do get a marvelous view with your giant, you know, Navy binoculars, unlike those little weenie, uh, you know, army binoculars, these Navy ones are gigantic. And in fact, the cleared area looks very squared off. And uh, go ahead and give me uh, idea rolls all the way around. Your idea roll is your intelligence times five. Yeah. It should be a stat right up there. Oh. That's a percentage roll. All right. Oh, there I am. Ooh, 30. Okay. Uh, idea is 80%, so. Yeah, 50 under 80. Yeah, mine's 75. I got a 62. Okay. Um, the engineer, feel, you know, your first thought is, this is a really big area. This is like a couple of kilometers on the side. Who the fuck cleared this? I mean, you know, you're not looking down and seeing tree stumps. And the forest around it is actually pretty thick. You're not seeing anything like tree stumps out here in this. Uh, what you are seeing is a lot of straight lines. There are mm -hmm. patterns in the grass that look like straight lines to you. That's probably something else that Ken's observing or seeing up here now. It looks extremely unnatural. Um, Dr. Crone, that is to say, Cody's character, having been to the New World, and maybe perhaps while poking around in places like Peru, uh, might have uh, might have been aware of things like Nazca. When is Nazca first brought to the world's attention, Ken? I mean, it's always been known, isn't it? I mean, since the conquistadors showed up, right? I mean, yeah, the, the difference is the, you know, first time people flew above it and said, holy crap, you can see those things. Yeah. So, uh, but um, when, when, do you remember when that was? I asked no. you because you are the elliptony. Uh, right. Man. And if you give me a couple of seconds, my electronic horse, oh. Dr. Google, will tell us. <laughs> okay. Well, um, you, uh, this looks like you're looking down on what might be um, some sort of aerial. I mean, regardless of Nazca, any of us who've flown over England will have seen the chalk outlines yeah. on the ground, you know, yeah. like um, uh, Longlands Down and things like that. So, yeah, um, you, this, this looks like it could be um, you know, some sort of uh, flattened ancient city um, mm -hmm. or ancient site that has been prepared in advance. At this point, once you guys are overhead, it will not be hard to observe a couple of horsemen riding out with a wagon into the middle of this field. And down there on the ground, they set up a heliograph and begin signaling the airship. Um, let's see. That's, uh, let's see here. Ken. Yes. Uh, go ahead and give me a uh, percentile rule, please. 
29. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah. So, I believe that is good enough for your... Okay. Yeah. It's not quite your Morse code, but it's not bad. Okay. Um, right. You do not detect anything from there. You might have some trouble reading the full message, but you do not detect anything in that message that's coming up. Well, there's, there a, is, there's a radio uh, shack right off the back of our little um, of, of our little command module. Is the radio operator back there? Can we get him to come read it? Of course. Um, yeah. The um, or uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a window on it. Can he peek down and see it? Yes, there is actually. Um, one of the reasons there's a uh, yes, there is in fact so a window. Pound on the door and say, "Get up here, Funk's apparatus, Uden, or whoever he is." <laughs> You're going with Weiss as opposed to the other one. All right. That's whichever, cool. I don't care. Um, Whoever's whoever, whichever one of them is, you know, not busy doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, uh, the answer is is that there's nothing from that message that is uh, not what you're expecting. There was a series of uh, so it's the standard code, coded come down. Everything's copacetic. Well, actually, the, uh, no the message, here. yeah, the the, the, the actual message uh, to say that it's okay to come down is the message: don't come down. Uh, whatever you do. Um, really? Yes, really. The actual, the actual, the actual <laughs> message say it's okay. Well, uh, somebody apparently thought that if the men on the ground were being held hostage and being forced to say it was okay to come down, the best uh, possible all clear message would be to send a message saying, help, help. We're being oppressed. Uh, <laughs> so there, I mean, these so are is, Germans. This is the, these are Germans. Everything here is deadly, but it's the good everything here is deadly. Co correct. These are Germans. Right. They, ha they had to complicate everything. All right? Look at this airship you're in. All right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's been ex made extra complicated. All right. Ken. Yeah. You are up. Oh. So here's the thing about this parachute jump. I, I myself have jumped out of an airplane 13 times, and I'm not dead. Uh, I, I doubt that I have parachute skill of 95. I mm -hmm. just don't think that's very likely. No. I think I have something like 30 or something, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, jumping out of an airplane and not dying is not a matter of rolling under your parachute skill at all. It is a matter of not fumbling twice. Mm -hmm. And people manage not, still manage to die. So, you know. There you go. Uh, so... Uh, this is a matter. It's a matter of not busting your ankle or turning your, you know, breaking. Or coming your down where you're sort of intending to come down, not miles away. Yeah. So uh, it is not a matter of surviving uh, necessarily. That's However, it. Prepare not to survive. Try not try to survive. So it is Commend not your soul to that of God und Germany. <laughs> well, you have that written right on the belt buckle. I'm pretty sure. Or maybe that's I'm just sure. an army thing. Zoiks und away. All right, so I'm I strap the monstrous uh, yeah, 1917 the issue parachute to my back, and you hold her up onto the top you, of the and you gondola? hold the well, no, you literally jump out the door of the gondola. Jump the door uh, there is a, yeah, there is a door of the gondola. You uh, you leap from that, and there is actually a small parachute that you hold in your hand that you throw away as you jump. You that is the drill shoot to pull out the uh, pull out the uh, the rest of the shoot. All right. Wow. Well, and you're doing this from about eight thousand feet. So sure. Why not? Okay. 
I got an 81, which is, oh, failure, but it is not a critical failure. No, it is not a critical failure. All right. Uh, give me a roll, please, a second roll on your um, parachute skill. You got it. Okay. That one was an 89. We are All right, getting closer. Getting worse. <laughs> All right, sir. That's a lot of trees you're heading towards. Yeah, it is. You might want to make a luck roll at this point. I might. Actually, um, before you, whatever you rolled on your luck roll, what was it? That was a 42. That was almost right, my gonna, parachuting ability. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and apply that. That should have been a parachute roll to try and not land in the trees. Now give me the luck roll. Now the luck roll. Okay. Luck roll is a 37. All right. All right. None of this would have happened if you would have drank the tea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ken, you there land in the trees. a parachute, Zen. <laughs> you land in the trees. You are still wearing this massive amount of... Um, Garbage. Uh, of, of cold weather gear. Mm-hmm. Perhaps having changed into some walking boots before having jumped out of the airship rather than these mm -hmm. ridiculous booties. booties. Um, you take, you would take two points of damage uh, from bouncing, uh, being scratched by the limbs. Um, actually, you would take three points of damage. You Two points are absorbed uh, by the suit as far as keeping you from being scratched and cut. But you end up on the ground with at least a point worth of serious bruising. The kind of thing that, uh, you know, is not just uncomfortable, but straight to the bone. Right. Um, you uh, roll pretty good on your luck roll. You are within six feet of the ground. Hurrah! Once this parachute stops right. bouncing you through the trees. I'm going to call that a qualified success. <laughs> so, now, is this what a do you do? roll to get down, or is this a uh, drop and hope I don't break an ankle getting down? Uh, well, you you could do that. You could do that, uh, or you could um, you could just dangle and know, wait for the Persians to show up. Yes, it seems um, optimal somehow. <laughs> it does seem it does seem less than Teutonic to then right. to allow a to bunch wait of for uh, a bunch of. I mean, I guess technically they are Aryans. I mean, right? They're the <laughs> <laughs> we're twenty years too early for that. I'm just oh, oh no, this, is, this, this oh, starts early, were, man. There were pointy headed, yeah, there were pointy headed nitwits uh, advocating that stuff going back to like the eighteen eighteen eighties, weren't there? Yeah, probably, but it's not national policy yet. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not, not this guy. It's important for just patriotic here. Germans to begin. Yeah. No, I'm not, saying, such a basis. I'm not saying you don't bring all of your standard Victorian prejudices about, uh, you know, brown folks with you, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure we're... Not that brown. <laughs> yeah. The larger You're point really is savages, and I'm not going to dangle here like a pomegranate waiting for them. I rolled an 09 <laughs> on my climb down out of the damn tree roll. Sweet. Right. Very nice. nice. You, are, you are on the ground before the horses arrive. Yes. And the horses do arrive. Good for them. Um, you are presented with a pair of... Six dig uh, scars. Any jump you can climb down from is a good jump. <laughs> well done. You, um, yeah, you have, now, you have now made history. You are now the first and only person so far to ever do a parachute jump from a Zeppelin. Congratulations. Um, Suck it, Primus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for those who didn't hear, Chris Primus, um, owner and yeah. operator of Green Ronin Games, uh, performed this very same parachute jump, and after a series of, I believe, six fumbles, 
crashed wow. to the ground like a bag of wet cement. And wow. then got a new character. Wow. It was a sad trombone moment. Thanks for playing, um, man. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yes. The uh, couple of Persian tribesmen uh, t- you know, roar up to you on their horses and rein up in front of you. And uh, they are quite the, the, these two fellows are quite the hoary pop, uh, pair uh, wearing some sort of you know, hodgepodge of uh, ammunition bandoliers, knives stuck in their belts, uh, big furry, uh, you know, sheepskin coats and hats to keep warm. Uh, spot hidden, Mr. Height. Yeah, uh, 22. For yeah. Persians, they're awful blonde and they're awful uh, blue-eyed, despite their long hair and their beards. And uh, they immediately speak perfect German to you. Those Aryans get around. Right. Um, they introduce themselves as uh, Lieutenant Schaefer and uh, Lieutenant Witt. And um, they are extremely pleased to see uh, that your Zeppelin arrived. They explain, you know, they, they clasp your hands and give you all the appropriate, you know, uh, greetings of the day that you would expect between German officers. I expect that they even went so far as to click their heels and salute and just to show off that they haven't lost their, their Prussian manners just because they've been stuck in the back of beyond for the last couple of years. They uh, have somebody uh, ask if you're okay. They ask if you've injured yourself. You know, I'm uh, just fine. A few, a few scrapes coming down. He says, um, the Persians uh, are dying to meet you. Please come with us. We'll walk you over to their camp. I'll send DeWitt to go bring a second horse, uh, if you can ride, and we'll get started. Can you know that the first thing you know need to do when you get on the ground is to signal that you didn't die? Right. So, so do, uh, do, did I bring down an Aldous lamp or whatever for that purpose, or a flare? They already, they already had on the ground a, uh, a heliograph. Heliograph, okay. yeah, so they're going to signal. Right. All right. So uh, you take, I presume, unless you have anything else to say about it, that that is taken care of first, so that yeah. everyone up in the sky knows right. you're not dead yet. Yes. One of the Germans uh, tells you, um, Schaefer tells you that um, there's going to be a slight delay getting this landing started. We're going to have to go, you know, deal with, and perhaps he puts it this way, the oriental pleasantries first before mm-hmm. this can move any further. So remember, as far as you're concerned, if everyone, anyone else is concerned, you're the captain of the airship, right? Right. Because they're not going to deal with it. They're not going to want to deal with anyone except who's in charge. Well, I'm in charge of the ground. So yeah. I'm the captain that's, of Persia. That's, yeah. That's what matters, really. <laughs> I'm let's all the go with captain that. you need, baby. That's right. Let's go with let's go with that, shall we? Yeah. All right. A horse is brought. Uh, you are rode out to the middle of the uh, field, and while you're on the ground, you're actually noticing that you're walking on a lot of stone. Uh, stone that is uh, uh, that open field there is filled with stone. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a small layer of snow on it uh, that's crunching under your feet. There's some weedy grass on this thing. There are maybe some places where you might spot where a tree has been cut down, but this area was open. It doesn't look, it looks like it's been open for a long time. The stone that you're walking on looks worked. You can see corners in it. 
some of it's in in literal piles with a little earth over it, but it's still uh, identifiable as uh, as worked by tools. Right. Anyways, um, you guys are brought to uh, you are brought to uh, the uh, encampment of our. Uh, oh, rather, look at me with my zero archaeology skill. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure you can tell. <laughs> a, a coincidence. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can tell a uh, a piece of worked stone without that. Yes. Uh, just because, well, you've seen rubble. Mm-hmm. It's, it's have, World War One. I. I have you've done my rubble. part to create it. <laughs> <laughs> on more on more than one occasion. I'm a connoisseur of ruins. Yeah, <laughs> But um, let's see here. Uh, I'm not only a producer of rubble. I'm also a connoisseur of it. <laughs> Is this going to be like that dollar shave thing? You know, I'm yeah. not only. I'm also a customer. I'm I'm from a, li- a, li- a lineage of German rubblemeisters going back to the thirty years war. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, that's exactly that's great exactly cities right. and tiny villages to rubble. All of us a personal touch you have come to expect from the Vogel line. When shopping for rubble, shop Vogel. Shop Vogler. <laughs> Your town hasn't been destroyed until it's been Vogler destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Vogler, bomb it back. Bomb it back. All right. Yeah. So I'm See going ya. with them to wherever the uh, the headquarters mm-hmm. is to get right. the ground crew ship shape so that we can land this thing and get our, on with our mission. Remaining right. completely uninterested in the rubbly ruins below me. That sounds As good. My double aught stat indicates I should. Yeah. Not to, all right. So. Eventually, uh, you are um, brought into this camp. Uh, you uh, get your brush with history when you meet Mr. Action, Mr. Vosmus in person. Vosmus uh, of Persia, his own self. Yep, you can you can tell tell your kids to survive. So, presuming you survive the war, you can tell your grandchildren all about how you met. And I survived the, the famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's say presuming you survived the Spanish flu, um, yeah. you can you can tell. The war, this mission, and the Spanish flu. And the next Uh, war. uh, Yes. And it's really not looking good for you. Yeah. (laughs) I should write this down now. Now. (laughs) (laughs) Not wait Um, until I tell my grandkids. You are put through the better part of an hour's worth, or more than an hour's worth, of Persian pleasantries, where you are offered uh, food, drink, tea. You're sitting around a bunch of tents that are out here in the woods. And there are probably, there are several hundred of these Persian tribesmen uh, here. Mixed in with them are maybe a dozen uh, Germans uh, who are in fighting shape. And there are uh, a whole bunch of injured. Um, If I can just uh, find my list for that, I will give you actual numbers in a moment. Ah, here we go. Okay. There is one civilian VIP, uh, a man named Dr. August Albrecht Ingenol. Uh Mr. Ingenol is uh, somebody you would have been briefed on to be picked up uh, on the grounds that he's a Hohenzollern uh, oh, and really? will need to come home, uh, as he is very important. Mm-hmm. There are uh, five Ottomans, Ottoman soldiers. There are Eight Austro-Hungarians uh, of a various mix of ethnicities, and there are a grand total 
of 12 Germans who are injured in various ways, who are looking to be removed. The highest ranking one is a German brigadier general named Lothar Kretschmann, who apparently got bundled up during the, um, while serving with the Austrians, uh, got bundled up during the Brusilov offensive back in 16. Mm. Um, he's, uh, he is uninjured, but is uh, elderly. Uh, the rest of the people are suffering from everything from broken limbs to head trauma induced blindness. There's some missing limbs from frostbite. Uh, that's the best you can tell just looking at the, at the situation. All right. Meanwhile, I will point out that the crew of the airship is 22. Normally it would be 21, but we have a flight surgeon on board. Hi. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Um, I won't bore you with too many of the details. How much do you resist this? The notion of carrying all these people back with us? No, how much do you resist uh, the Persians wasting your time with things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, exchanges of gifts and, uh, uh, you know, pleasantries and uh, explaining how much we hate the British before uh, having tea and dates and um, possibly some lamb meat? Man, I do like dates. Uh, I'm going to, I mean, assuming that the airship is okay for fuel and can, you know, stay up there for a while, I don't think that angering the people whose job it is going to be to not blow it up on the ground is a good plan. That is one of the better plans I've heard. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go along with it, and to the extent that I can, uh, you know, let Ingenol, uh and anyone else who seems to have some sort of status down here uh, do the heavy lifting of, all right, guys, this has all been good. Everyone loves a date. All right, one last date for everyone, but now we need to sort of get some ropes out and whatnot. Yeah, that would be pretty much where you're doing with this. At some point, uh, you know, uh, Wasmus, uh, you know, brings this thing to a close. Um, by the time this thing is over with... Plus, I have a feeling like we're going to need these guys as meat shields sooner rather than later. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> nothing like it. Nothing like a human flesh ward. Exactly. Um, so, right, uh, hit points. All right. Have another date. <laughs> <laughs> That'll bulk them up. That's right. <laughs> this is not. This is not Skyrim or Fallout. They don't get more hit points when they eat stuff. All right. Oh. <laughs> all right. That's enough dates for you. Don't, so, um, out the dates. It's on area. At some point before this is over, with I suspect uh, Wasmus has tried to induce you to give you give uh, the Persian chieftain your hat, uh, while the Persian chieftain has uh, passed you some sort of curved Persian dagger during the course of all this, and you're supposed I, to appreciate it. And... I'm not going to give him my hat, but I will give him my uh, my uh, uniform dagger. All right, if there was such a thing. Yeah, well, if not, I'll give him a knife that I carry around to cut lines and whatnot and tell him it's a uniform dagger. Certainly, certainly. This ignorant barbarian has no idea what a Kriegsmarine uniform dagger looks like. You, you are correct. As far as I know, there's no Kriegsmarine daggers carried on these uh, in these ships. But you do have a, multi, a multi-use folding utility knife that has a bunch of different, you know, junk in it. It's Used also a harmonica. Wood. Yeah. Right. So you hand him the knife that has all the stuff that poops out of it, and he hands you something that was uh, clearly forged from meteoric iron or something. You know, I'm you sure go. it's important. Yeah. I'm Keep sure that, it's a plus. That's going to be important later. I'm sure that it's a plus one dagger. 
I'm yeah, sure, that sure, <laughs> sure that it is. I cast Anyways, identify magic item. You get no response from the gazebo. No response. The, the, the gazebo is neither good nor evil. No, um, nor evil. Anyways, um, at some point you are dragged out into the open field where it's time to start doing things like trying to get this act organized. Now, right. what the Persians have done in advance or what the Germans have got, arranged the Persians to do in advance is they have uh, brought a bunch of wagons. And what they've done is they've loaded these wagons up with stones from this field, just uh, hurled them into the back of the wagons to create more weight. And the general idea is the airship is going to vent hydrogen, uh, lose altitude. There is a big nasty lever up there in the control gondola that someone's going to pull that's going to release a big rope from a, a ca an area in the nose of the airship. The plan is, is, is for everyone to grab that, tie it to one of the wagons, and then as more ropes are dropped down, keep tying those off the wagons and keep throwing more rocks in the backs of the wagons so the airship doesn't lift off again and pull them all up into the sky, which is not completely impossible. So, Ken, I believe yes. you have a skill like pilot airship. I do, very much like. All right. You probably should be rolling against that to see how well you arrange for the ground crew operation. All right. Okay. All right. With the 78, the answer is not as well as I might. All right. Do, 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 do. Let's see how the captain does on his end. Because if he fucks up too, well, I'm not with a 19, he doesn't. <laughs> Apparently... Captain von Marienburg, uh, well, it's not an impale, but it's fucking close. He brings the airship in, uh, Jesus, a 19? Um, he brings the I airship in. Impaled that airship. Well, you know, a 12, would have been, uh, a 12 or a 13 would have been an impale. Um, mm -hmm. uh, he brings it into the point where ground crew is almost not necessary. He brings it in with a, a, so little momentum uh, as far as losing altitude and so little forward momentum on the engines that he, he almost touched it down. If he had impaled it, he would have touched it down without uh, anything, any assistance without at all. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, of course, that doesn't help the airship if the wind picks up and just blows it across the field into the trees. Regardless, there's enough wiggle room there so that people start tying off the ropes to the wagons and things like that. Your job, Ken is basically running around and making sure that they've tied their sheep shank properly and right. to make sure that the Persians are hurling as many stones into the back of the wagons as possible. Uh, the wind does pick up. Uh, the airship shifts some. Rope strain, nothing snaps. Some of the wagons are dragged. But um, at this point, the airship is, after about 30 minutes of this nonsense, is safely moored enough so that it can be pulled a little closer to the ground and then they can start unloading supplies. Hurrah. The process of unloading supplies is all of it. Now, I, one of the things I included in the handouts was this nightmarish thing called a ballast sheet. Uh, it's just there to show you that sort of the nightmare of running the Zeppelin. It shows where the ballast is. It shows where the hydrogen is. It shows... It's, a, it's for marking off what ballast you've dropped and what hydrogen you've vented because you don't get your hydrogen back and you don't get your ballast back. 
there's only a certain number of times you can descend or, or, or gain altitude with this airship. And uh, then you run out of ballast or you run out of uh, hydrogen. And there's only one direction you're going to go. Generally speaking, you're always going to run out of ba- hydrogen before you run out of ballast. That's the ideal um, solution. Yeah. As you guys are unloading thousands of pounds of Mauser rifles and bullets and mm-hmm. Stahl granadas, you're going to have to be taking stones from this field and putting them onto the airship. Aha! Same to constantly balance the airship so that you don't <coughs> remove too much ballast. So and float away. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't unload the ship and it floats away again. There was an incident where a German Zeppelin tried to lower its lifeboat into the water to paddle the crew over and take possession of a, I want to say it was a Danish or Dutch prize ship. That the, uh, a Zeppelin took a prize ship during World War I, if you can believe that. Wow. They, they brought the Zeppelin down, and they had a lifeboat, right, And uh, for the Zeppelin. They lowered that into the water. They lowered the crew into the water. And as they started to lower the Maxim gun for the airship into the water to cover the, the ship, the weight overbalanced and the airship shot into the air, leaving the crew in the boat, and they lost the Maxim gun. So they had to bluff the crew with a flare pistol or something ridiculous like that, but they still put a prize crew on the Dutch ship, and they sailed it to a German port. And, you know, it was, a, it was the only time that ever happened. And it turned out so that as you guys were unloading the, the Dutch ship, were neutral, and they were in terrible trouble. Yeah. Um, you're having to put stones and things and the wounded on board at the same time. Uh, Dr. Krohn, let's get you involved, because you are going to be all about the guys who are not 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. Let me um, see here. Time for a little triage. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, the the VIP you said the civilian VIP you said was injured, right? No, Doctor yeah. Ingenol is not injured. Okay. Um, he is 100. percent Okay, um, great. He is just a stuffy little jerk uh, yeah. who would like to. Know, one of his first things he wants to know is where the crates full of stuff he wants to put on the airship are going to go. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and the second now, question is, what are they crates of? We asked um, curiously. And what well, are you a doctor of? Did that come up during the date period? Yes, it would have. Uh, Dr. Ingenol is an archaeologist. Yeah, oh, oh, that's handy. Yeah. He was in Persia before the war and has been stuck here since the war began, uh, avoiding the British. He lived openly in the in in Persia for a while, but there was this uh, I want to there was this coup around I want to say it's fifteen. Believe, this is one of these weird things. the The gendarme of the Persian Shah at the time was run by Swedish mercenaries. Swedish right? mercenaries. Okay. I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. And no, no, no. Apparently, apparently these guys were pretty pro-German, right. and so. For a while, uh, Persia is neutral and is letting these Germans wander around Persia unmolested and draw funds from their banks and things like that. And at some point, the, the Tsar and uh, good old King George move in and occupy Persia like Stalin and Churchill are going to do again in mm-hmm. World War II. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, the, uh, the German uh, uh, nationals start getting rounded up and put in internment camps. Also, the Swedish mercenaries all get kicked out of their jobs, and um, 
the gendarme is is uh, immediately disbanded, which immediately provides a bunch of guerrillas for wasps to use to annoy the British with and blow up their oil tanks and punch holes in their oil uh, lines and things like that. So uh, for a while, this guy Ingenol lived openly. He continued to um, uh, engage in uh, archaeological studies, which he was doing there, uh, and digs, and then eventually had to go underground and found his way to Wasmus. He's the one who picked out this area as a place to land the airship because it is an ancient archaeological site that he's done some digs at. The, the reason there's no trees is because there's a city under here. It's one of the cities, and he would explain, you know, that it's one of those cities the Mongols were unkind to ah. when they came through Persia. Okay. In fact, they were so unkind to it, they dammed the, the river that ran through the city mm. uh, on its way to the Caspian mm. um, and ensured that no one would live there ever again. Um, it's, um, it's one of those no two stones set atop another stone situation. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, well, I do admire a good rumbling, even if it is done by the Mongols. <laughs> they, worked to mention, they knew how to rubble. <laughs> they worked with what they had. That's right. Yes. Anyways, that's Ingenol. He's, uh, he's alive and above ground and uh, not at all sick. And he's got, um, or injured, and he's got a bunch of items, uh, archaeological items that, that he's or dug ballast, over the as years. we like to call it. Um, do you explain that to him? Not in so many words. <laughs> um, how many words do you use? Do you say, you know, that's going to get thrown overboard if the airship's going down? I'd never say that. If the airship's going good. down, we'll throw it overboard and never tell him. <laughs> good. That's a good call. We may throw him overboard. <laughs> Anyways, of your... Uh, let's see, ideal, of your, you know, it can happen. Of your um, Turks, you've got a Turkish captain who's got a leg injury. He's perfectly fine. You've got a uh, Sergeant Ebru who has a uh, who has dysentery. You've got guys with uh, spinal injuries that make walking and riding horses impossible. You've got guys with broken and missing legs. You've got guys with... Uh, you got a brigadier general. Yeah, that was Kretschmann. He's, um, got a, he's got a terminal case of old. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he's just elderly. <laughs> uh, it always amazes me how, how old generals are in World War I. It's, it's completely... It, it's worlds different. Yeah. In the Second World War, it's um, it's still that nineteenth century uh, influence, I guess. Yeah. All right. So the um, situation is is that again, as uh, things are taken off the airship, like guns, things are put on the airship, like wounded, uh, injured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doctor Kretschmann, if you would be so kind as to give Crone. me a Crone, uh, sorry. Yeah. 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 Crone. Give me a uh, roll based on your uh, medicine, please. All right. 72. And let me see. I got to pull my character sheet up. Okay. My medicine is 65 and my first date is 70 and I got a 72. Okay. So. Um, you think that uh, every one of these guys uh, right. can be safely transported back to Germany. Okay. Or, or at least back to Bulgaria, you know. You right. think that they get that you don't think there's anyone here that's not gonna survive a uh thirty a hammock trip. Six hour, thirty-six <laughs> hours uh pooping themselves in a hammock. Um, <laughs> which is unfortunately what the dysentery comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Now, when I say that these guys are suffering from dysentery, they're not in the full throes of it because if they were, they'd be dead. 
Yeah, they are guys who have suffered from dysentery and still have some of it, but have survived the experience uh, for the most part. They're not, uh, uh, they've been weakened by it and they uh, still have the appropriate uh, bloody flux, I think is what we called. Right. Which I thought was a far more descriptive version of dysentery. Um, right. But uh, we just need to give them some rice. That's all. Some what? Some rice or some cheese. You got to bind them up a little bit. <laughs> are you are you planning to to insert this rice into one end of the G, GI system or another? I mean, which <laughs> which rice which? and one end cheese in the other end? Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basic medicine. Medicine. What are you talking about? All right, but uh, you don't think you've got anyone here who's going to croak in the next thirty six hours and then Good. Be, be baggage? Great. Or, Great. or frankly, or frankly, not be baggage because the chances. It's- Chances are they might go out of the airship. It's all a matter of percentages, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, well, if, I mean, if these guys aren't going to die for thirty-six hours, let's have some of that dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect some of us are going to die in the next thirty-six hours. Send, How, why are they so lucky? Send some of that bloody flux my way. Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. The, uh, all right. Everyone always. Everyone knows the rectum is the window to the soul. So. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, let's just move on, shall we? Okay. Um, yes, please. Let's do. It. Now, Albert, uh, as the chief engineer, you are going to be um, sort of involved with the process of unloading and loading the ship as well, distributing the the ballast and removing the uh, munitions. Is there anything that you specifically want to look out for or do while you're overseeing your duties? And that goes for everybody here. What were your plans for the next? Uh, couple of hours while this airship's being loaded and unloaded. Uh, so I'll keep an eye on So I'm assuming that the engines are off. Everything is, I don't have to watch for any of that. None of my the guys under me have to watch any of that stuff. Uh, well, the, so engines just make are, sure that, the engines are off, but the uh, engines are immediately start being maintenanced while they're off. For whatever that can't sure. be done while the engine's in flight, um, you're, they're, they're working on your, on, on your uh, uh, engines right now. So that, that is happening. Okay. So I'll make sure that, that that's proceeding accordingly um, and make sure that, you know, as things are going off, I, I, get, I don't know, would I be in charge of the ballast sheet then? So to make sure things are spread out evenly to make sure that, okay, we took off, you know, uh, eight crates of, of long guns. So to make sure we want to balance that out with, you know, yeah. between people and rocks and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'll just be, you know, kind of keeping an eye on all that sort of stuff. Okay. One of the other uh, sort of factors that's going to go into this is as far as bringing rocks on board, that's the first thing that's going to get thrown off the ship. All right. Sure. The, the, the ballast on this airship is literally bags of, um, and they look like pants. They're literally these big bags that have two parts that come down like legs. Yeah. But you yeah. open up the sleeves that use to let water on it. They're filled with water mixed with alcohol. Wow. Um, so, so that <laughs> they don't just didn't seem volatile enough. So yeah. yeah. Well, so the water doesn't freeze in midair, and then you're fucked. You know, ah. you can't drop ballast. All right. So I was just going to say that the the first things are going to have to go overboard are the rocks because ballast being what it is, the rocks can't be thrown overboard very quickly. It's going to require your mechanics to be physically throwing them off the ship, or uh, and. Uh, throwing them off isn't simply a matter of uh, of of cutting the 
cargo nets that are holding them loose because you literally will fuck up if you drop one cargo net full of hundreds of pounds of rocks you have you you fucked up the trim and the the ship would rock or you know it's 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 bad anyways the point is is that uh uh that's going to be something that's going to be happening on your way out over the caspian you're going to be shedding <laughs> throwing rocks out of this thing perhaps braining the occasional caspian fisherman uh on the way across the ocean but uh that's how that's going to work um the uh, 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 that's to preserve your ballast that you can drop quicker, which you would want to have in case you actually got into a combat situation. And these zeppelins avoid combat by dropping ballast and gaining altitude up to 20,000 20, feet wow. is the ceiling on these things. Um, so high, in fact, that you guys carry what are called air bombs, which are cylinders of pressurized oxygen and air. That um, for a zeppelin that doesn't have any bombs on it, we have an awful lot of bombs on it. <laughs> you, you do, in fact, have a fair number of air bombs. Yes, yeah. yes, you do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but don't worry, your fire extinguishers are all carbon tetrachloride, so you can get cancer from it. So, yeah, there's all kinds of dangerous things. I'm not going to live long enough to get cancer. That's a myth <laughs> spread by the anti-war media. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perhaps you should get back to smoking on the command deck. Right. <laughs> um anyways you kidding? Um, like the only time i get to smoke is during this period where they're loading the damn zeppelin yeah you're on the ground you're fine because the nice thing about this hydrogen is it's all leaving through the top of the airship mm-hmm. you know it's not hovering around down here on the ground with you guys no, it's not no, there's, it's, it's not, not it's not <laughs> it's not um uh <laughs> dry ice floating yeah. down <laughs> Mustard gas. Yeah, it's not going to go to the lowest level. Um, now, if I find out we had mustard gas on the Zeppelin, I'm going to be super mad at you. Anyways, um, uh, moving right along. The, uh, let's, uh, let's skip to the end unless you guys have anything important you want to do. I, then, uh, uh, is room, the made, for, is room yeah. made for Dr. Engenol's crates full of uh, uh, archaeological goodies? Well, yeah. I mean, we'll just put it in the sort of last part of the throwing things out area, right? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Do you tell him that there is a throwing things we're out We're never telling him anything. He's <laughs> okay. Just checking. Just the, checking. The, the part of where I said we're not telling him, it's that we haven't changed our minds. No. All he right. seems like nope. a nice Hohenzollern. I think we can clue him in to the well, fundamental um, operations. When that stuff comes... I was going to say, when that stuff comes in to be loaded, uh, then I would inquire as to the nature of the crates being brought over. He'll, he'll, so, uh, he'll, so, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be happy to tell you. Much like a vegetarian, you're not going to have to ask whether he's a vegetarian. Okay? <laughs> he's going to tell, tell you that it's very, very valuable. It's worth more than you'll ever make in your lifetime, you peasant. And, it doesn't really um, narrow it down, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> it's he tells you that it's valuable artifacts. They're 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 fragile. They're made of clay. They've been well packed. Uh, you know, be careful with them, you fool. Um, and you'll get that kind of information. Uh, do you want to get any more thing more specific than that? I don't. I already. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose he probably outranks me. So I. Well, I socially guess I just yes. Sort of, socially yeah. yes, but um. Actual rank? It's your fucking airship. Dude, you're the chief engineer. Do you think that Scotty <laughs> would put up with this sort of 
you know, shenanigans from some civilian who got on the Enterprise? Just no. store the boxes. <laughs> I, I I shrug, chagrined. I I I am content in the knowledge that we would probably then throw these over first, just because of his his <laughs> attitude. Well, I'm, and, and no, place really them easier. Call us whether we throw them over first or later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. You manage this process. Like like the proletariat <laughs> under these. Like the like a member of the proletariat under these royalist systems, you you nod and smile and plan your revenge. For a right. Okay. Can't <laughs> possibly go wrong. All right. Uh, Ingenhold doesn't know why he doesn't have a cabin, as in an actual cabin with like the a answer bed. is he's on a zeppelin instead of a ocean liner. <laughs> yeah. Well, he'll take the captain's cabin and. Um, and won't he be surprised that the captain doesn't have a cabin? Yeah, well, that would be where you get up. He's like, well, the captain's like, please feel free to get in my hammock. Yeah. And that sort of ends that. Um, regardless, he, he scurries off and is unhappy with this process, but harumphs about it. Um, for a guy who's been trapped in Persia for two years, uh, sleeping on the ground, he's got a lot to complain about with this goddamn hammock. Um. Everyone gets loaded on board. This process takes many hours. It's just not that easy a thing to arrange to, to load the stuff on and off by hand. But at some point, and that, of course, counting in things like uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Krohn going through his assessment of the patients, uh, going through uh, the uh, back and forth with the Persians, um, and, of course, Ken uh, sort of trying to explain to the Persians that this next part so this next magical trick, they get to do something that Persians like to do, which is hit things with swords. Uh, insofar as that they, as in they need to cut all of the ground lines at the same time, as close as possible, you know, as close as possible at the same time. So uh, that's going to be a thing, but mm -hmm. that'll be happening while you're on the airship and they're on the ground. The. Uh, Entire rigmarole takes you through dinner time. There is food to be had uh, from the Persians as opposed to whatever dry sausages and biscuits are available uh, on the airship. Mm -hmm. And um, at some point, uh, you guys uh, probably close to, I don't know, probably close to noontime, finally have an opportunity to say that the airship is loaded, the ballast is stored, the uh, ballast is uh, has been placed in the appropriate areas to keep the airship trim. Uh, it is now time to launch. Fantastic. That thing. Mr. Ho Mr. Height gets to yell out the window and say, cut the ropes, you dirty savages. Schneesons are open. Schneesons are open. Give me a uh, roll under your um, air airship uh, piloting skill. Big 45. That beats it by five. Okay. The uh, ground crew uh, obeys your orders pretty well. They hack away at the ropes. And the airship, mind you, thousands and thousands of pounds of munitions were taken off of this airship. My understanding is the bomb load on this thing is equivalent to the bomb load that you would find on, say, a B-26, uh, sorry, B-25 Mitchell, I think it is. Right. Um, it's not a lot by World War II standards, but it's still thousands and thousands of pounds of bombs. Um, 
you cut that, uh, uh, you know, no matter how much ballast you guys have put on, you cut those ropes, this airship launches into the air pretty, pretty fast. There is, as you can imagine, a fair amount, although possibly less than would have happened if you had not warned them, a fair amount of celebratory gunfire below. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that uh, none of it, uh, none of it appears to hit any of the um, parts of the airship you're in at the moment. But uh, it is uh, relatively, uh, it, it's relatively little. But uh, let us say that you have left the Persians with great hopes that uh, with allies like this that can create such marvels, they will have no trouble beating the hated English. The hated British, exactly. Yeah. It's going to work out. It's going to work out great. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. How could you lose? How could they lose with things like this? With this, this Marvel and the Russians already back on their heels, giving in to the... Godless. Contemptible failure of godless Bolshevism. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> we're, we're never going to hear from these Bolsheviks again. Well, it's, it's, only, it's only going to appeal to um, uh, 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 shovel-browed slobs. It's never going to appeal to true Europeans. <laughs> oh, we're safe, thank goodness. <laughs> I'm not sure what the appeal of it has to do when the Red Army parks in your driveway. but <laughs> oh, Red Army. <laughs> Good point. It's only 1918. They, I'm not even sure they have one yet. They have what? Some some red guards at this point, maybe. Well, I think they're um, still, you know, engaging in the shooting everyone to see who's, who's still there. Sort of the Bolshevik musical chairs day. <laughs> uh, yeah. When the music stops, everyone sit down, or you're a Menshevik. Um, mm-hmm. So um, uh, the airship launches into the air. And um, let's see, uh, you guys of the, are the uh, for the most part, passengers on this thing, um, except when, except when uh, the captain is getting his shut eye, in which case uh, it's all Ken's airship, as they my, say. My airship. <laughs> this is where the Georgians will feel my wrath. <laughs> You're going to make sure to drop uh, as much ballast out over uh, Tbilisi as possible, right? Is right. that it? When you right. take that, when you take you know, that right, that left turn over Baku, you're going to unload the rocks. Just right there. Take that, Grozny. <laughs> uh, let's 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 hope you don't actually fly after Grozny. That would suck. Grozny's had enough trouble. Or is Grozny had any trouble by 1918? I was about to say, it's not that bad, but we're going to fix all that. We're going to yeah. fix all that. Close that document. There's the so end. A successful fiddle. adventure. Good for us. Yeah. You're, 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 <laughs> everything's going to be fine now. Boy, Cody's going to be right. sad he missed that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I suspect he is. <laughs> we, we're done? Oh, yeah, we're done. It was great. You know, a couple of good rolls. Everybody's on the way home. Yep. Loaded the Zeppelin. Turns out if... Uh, the second officer doesn't break his hip coming down on the parachute, then there's no adventure. That's you're, a, you're done. You're, you're that's pretty a much done. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so right, um, let's start digging parasites out of these uh, dysentery guys and fighting them for whatever. <laughs> okay. Army of the worm that we put on board. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, so uh, at this point, um, you guys uh, are about. 
eight hours into the flight. There's uh, most of the stone ballast is, you know, the stone ballast has been thrown overboard, um, except for the, the stuff that uh, the good doctor brought on board. It's after dark. It's getting on towards uh, midnight, in fact, uh, which means that you guys are, uh, let's see here, navigationally, you are probably dead center uh, over the Caucasus. I'm looking at this map correctly. Uh, yeah, you're probably really closing in on Tbilisi around midnight. Or let's see here. Let's actually get an actual proper time of day rather than just say around midnight. Okay. It is actually 11 o'clock by whatever chronometer the airship is run on. Um, since you are crossing time zones, I guess that's an, an issue that I will just have to ignore. They probably run but, off, you know, whatever villains, uh, Kiel Naval time or something. Yeah, they're, 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 you're that's the, I mean, exactly right. More important to us is the question, <laughs> is it dark outside? It's it's very dark. Okay. It's very so dark. It hardly matters what time it is in Kiel because it's dark outside here. Yeah. You're at zero that's dark 30, and, and one, of the, uh, one of the factors in zero dark 30, as I will point out, is that it's a beautiful starlit sky. Um, there's no clouds. It's extremely cold, so the, the skies are mostly clear. Mm -hmm. Well, what did, um, you, what, what did you say our ceiling is in this thing? A maximum altitude that's been recorded uh, for a Zeppelin uh, was about 21,000 21, feet, and that was totally unsafe. And the whole crew yeah. was passing out from oxygen deprivation. It was right. so we're still we're still under the higher cloud canopies. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. You or you would be. Uh, yeah, if, if there uh, were clouds, which there aren't, because it's clear. Yeah, uh, gotcha. what you're looking at here is about eight thousand feet up. That's standard cruising speed, cruising altitude. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so they didn't even lower it for me to jump. That's nice. All right. Anyway, well, they, they wanted to give you the maximum amount of time to fiddle with the uh, the, the the parachute wrap. Although I assume we're higher since we're going over the Caucasus, which are you know probably about eight thousand feet anyway. Well, you're you're what you're what you're doing is you're going up the middle of that valley that runs through the Caucasus that that you know follows the river. You know, first it's the yeah, area right. where the river valley comes out in uh, south of Baku, and I I want to say I'm trying to remember the name of the city that that opens up into. But then there's um, uh, Sibilisi is in also in a lower valley, so you're not above the mountains, but you can be uh, very very quickly if it comes. To um, yeah, right. I'm um, happy to remain. Um, uh, to, to remain where we are in terms of with the mountains sort of down on our um, uh, on our uh, starboard flank, I guess. Yes, they're off to your port and starboard. Yes, you are. You're flying to the middle of that Caucasus, uh, uh, lovely Caucasus Valley area that the Georgians are so fond of living in, and the and, and foreign invaders are so uh, want to stomp through occasionally. But at some point, uh, and let's go ahead and roll some dice. Mr. Height, you uh -oh. are on you are on duty in the uh, command gondola, and at some point, uh, the door of the uh, radio room opens up. And the radio room, I should point out, is in fact a, a soundproofed room, so that the radio operator can actually hear the fucking radio. The radio is generally set to receive because it's all about weather reports. It's all about hearing what conditions are. That's the only way you know what's mm -hmm. in front of you. Is, is listening. There's no radar. There's no, obviously. There. So it's all about taking in weather reports and planning the course, the navigation around those weather reports. Um, eventually, uh, the um, uh, Wallenberg opens the uh, the door and says out to uh, 
are Leutnant Untersee, I think that's what your rank is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, Leutnant, uh, that... Uh, Oberleutnant, but hey, you know, whatever. That um, Bodenschatz, the other telegraph mate, has not relieved him yet and was due to do so at, at uh, you know, 1,100 hours. Okay. All right. Uh, do we have a orderly or any kind of runner on uh, deck here that I can send back to find him? What you do is you send, uh, you grab the old machine, um, uh, the sort of the engine telegraph thing, the yeah. engine telegraph thing. You zip it over to the um, the controls for the keel, and you say, you know, you, you move it to come to the command gondola. And right. when that happens, uh, your Krebs, who is the sailmaker uh, uh, mate on the boat, toodles down that ladder, bonk, and arrives ready to receive his orders. Okay. Um, his orders are to go find uh, the uh, the Ober, senior Ober radio. Telegraph yes, yeah. Oberfunken Telegraph Apparat. Yeah. So um, having report. Schnell. He uh, he schnells like any good German would. Uh, he disappears. Uh, John, because yes. you are a player character, and because you are a player character who moves about the airship at will. Uh, you will be uh, dragooned into this. And uh, the reason you'll be dragooned into this is because George Krebs, who is the uh, sailmaker's mate, very quickly determines that um, uh, Bodenschatz is not in his bunk and uh, then, you know, expands the search of what's going on by going to you and saying, you know, machinist Osler, I can't find um, the senior radio operator. Can you help me? Have you seen him while doing your rounds? Uh, I I have not take a look in this this area around here and see if he's somehow neglecting his duties. Uh, he says, there's, "Please do." Um, hello, Cody. There's, hey. There's there so many places anyone can be on this zeppelin. So, um, mm-hmm. as we have previously discussed, it'll be right. brought to the attention of Doc, the Doctor Crone. Um, uh, the sailmaker's mate, a guy named George Krebs, has come to the come to the uh, keel of the ship. And right. has accosted both uh, Mr. Osler and Dr. Crone and said, hey, the uh, overlightning up in the command gondola says that uh, somebody hasn't turned up for their duty. The uh, senior telegraphy mate named Bodenschatz, he hasn't turned up to do his shift. Uh, I can't find him in his designated bunk. Can you look around and see if he's uh, loafing or something? Or, right. you know, uh, right. please help search the ship for Mr. Bodenschatz. Okay. So, um... What do you do? Uh, let's start with John. Osler, what do you do? I will take a look around in the immediate. I, I don't know if I'm in the engine room currently in the immediate area. I expect then, you uh, ran into. I expect you ran into you as you were coming up a ladder into the keel, so you could move to the next engine area and search and and just check in on the uh, on the machinists who are monitoring that that engine. Uh, so I take a look up. To you know, see if he's in the scaffolding above us for some odd reason, um, okay. and then you, inform you, you, him that I will run the length of the keel and see. Okay, you know, if he's somehow like you know right. loafing behind I, a crate. I guess or as you as you go down the keel, um, you look up those those uh, uh, ladders. The ladders, you know, are squeezed between the bags of hydrogen, and they are seventy four feet or or like seventy feet tall. So the light doesn't go all the way up to the top. Uh, you'd have to climb each ladder to check those. Uh, right. Do you do you do that? 
Uh, I think I would walk the keel first okay. before climbing up and down each and every ladder okay. <laughs> to see. Okay. Uh, you walk the keel all to the back of the airship. Uh, I will point out that while there is, uh, as far as I understand it, a gas bag as far back as, and I think I sent you a lovely diagram of it. Um, well, there is a gas bag as far back as underneath the 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 guide fins the on the back of the airship. There is actually a section of the tail of the airship that has no gas bag and is just a hollow cone at the end of the airship. Mm-hmm. You can get all the way back into that if you want and se- search that space. Uh, that would be so. that would be the furthest space back there. The furthest space to the front would be the area where the 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 rope was dropped. Uh, and in fact, there would have been a point where having you know that that landing rope, uh, when it was cut off at the bottom, crew members would have reeled it back up and reset it to be able to be automatically dropped. So there's there's that space up there too. You start at the back. You start at the front. I go to the back first. Okay. Uh, what about you, Cody? Dr. Cone. Um, okay, so I'm uh, in, in the command gondola and You are you are in the uh, you are in the what do you call it uh, uh, keel. Uh, okay. that's where all your that's where all your patients are located. They're all hanging right. in those cargo nets, bundled up with blankets right. and whatnot. Right. Trying not to poop themselves. Right. Well, uh, then uh, I'm I'm gonna I guess help search the envelope then uh, mm-hmm. and, and and go forward. Okay. Yeah, there are there are nooks and crannies. I showed you those the the, the sort of the way that the the way that the, those fuel tanks can get very tight and close things up. And and yeah, we're I want to point out that you're walking around on a single plank walkway that's only yeah. a couple of feet wide. Yeah. Off to the, either that or you're holding on you're holding on to the scaffolding the the, the dur aluminum scaffolding. Below right. that is canvas. Yeah. All right. Now there is ne- snapped on. Yeah. Well, some of it is at least yeah. under those uh, fuel tanks, but there right, has never right. been an incident in the history of the uh, Luftschiffer division of anyone breaking through the canvas and falling out of an airship. Right. People have fallen onto that canvas and you know, it's disconcerting to know that there's just a sheet of canvas between you and oblivion. Yeah. But no one's <laughs> ripped through it and fallen to their death that way. Not counting exploding airships, you know, that are shot out of the sky by an aircraft fire. So sure. it's, um, it's nerve wracking, but it is not as perilous as climbing on a cliff. Yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, Go ahead and give me, uh, both of you guys, give me spot hidden rolls, please. All righty. Meanwhile, they overlook it. Two. Mm-hmm. Two? 18 out of 65. Two. All right. Well, here's the deal. All right. He's not in the keel. You've searched the keel and you've searched the uh, gondolas because, right. you know, obviously there's guys just standing there. And the gondolas are small. I, I, I gave you guys... Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. floor diagrams of those gondolas are 24 to 36 feet long. There's not much in there for room. Yeah. It's very intimate. There's no place to hide. Yeah. Um, he's not in the gondolas. He's not in the keel. You're absolutely positive. Right. So that leaves uh, – now, John, you went all the way to the back of the airship first. Mm-hmm. You get back there, and the first thing you start to hear is you start to hear – uh, give me a give me a listen roll, actually. All right. Uh, fifty eight out of sixty five. 
Okay. You absolutely hear a change in the quality of the sound as you're approaching the back of the airship. Now, you're obviously hearing air and wind and whatnot go by the outside of this airship. You're hearing the engines. But you're hearing some snapping sounds, like torn canvas. And you're hearing the sound of wind blowing uh, much more clearly as you uh, crawl down into the keel to that uh, underneath that last gas bag and emerge into the area that is just that sort of cone-shaped area at the back of the airship. It's dark out, and you have a very, very small light. Um, give me a spot hidden roll, please. All right. Any negatives to that? Or? Just give me the roll. Okay, 28 out of uh, 65. Okay. Um, that's less than half. You see a tear in the airship's uh, canvas. Um, there is a, there's a hole uh, that has been pulled away from the uh, sides of the, uh, of the airship uh, from the frame and torn loose. Uh, it's kind of uh, tattered, and uh, the bits of canvas are sort of flapping in that, that breeze at 44 miles an hour, making snapping sounds. Is it under? Is it over? Is it on the sides? What, it's on, what's it's the on the relation? it's on the top. It's on the dorsal surface. Okay. Hmm. All right. It's almost exactly where the old. Um, it's almost exactly where the old rear tail gunner positions were in some of the earlier airship models. Hmm. Okay. Does it look like something that we could repair while we're flying? Is it concerning? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and there is an issue of uh the long the wind keeps pulling at the, the torn canvas it will continue to tear sure so yeah it does need to be repaired okay is this a, a typically like a one-man operation or is this something where i need to grab another uh another mechanic and, and well the hole's big enough that you're going to have to go get canvas to repair it with to patch that hole um, okay there's no way that you've got the the gear on you i mean Everybody's carrying a certain amount of uh, repair tools on them. You've got a multi-tool, you know, a literal multi-tool, some stuff that's uh, put into pockets on this uh, jumpsuit you're wearing. And there is, there is canvas repair kits with just big, giant, you know, needles that you could, you know, punch through leather with. And um, Well, isn't the sailmaker's all... mate still just screwing around with them? Well, he was, he was looking around for the um, – he was also searching the airship. I wasn't yeah, sure. Did right. you want to take Krebs with you? I don't know how many, uh, again, it's not that big an airship in terms of yeah. places people can be. Uh, yeah. If they don't have Krebs with them, Krebs is the guy who's in charge of fixing it. Yeah. So uh, uh, I presume Krebs was going to the front of the airship while he went to the back. And, and working backward? All right. Yeah. Why, well, what, what does it matter? I'm just saying Krebs is the guy who's fixing so. Again, yeah. they just find him, say, fix it, and then well, that's the thing. come so, back to me and tell me that I'm missing a radio operator. Yeah, yeah so I'll go back to the, to the closest gondola. I'll go down, tell them to call for Krebs to come back, that we have a problem with the canvas, right. keel up from that gondola, and then take him back with me so we can repair that okay. canvas. All right, uh, that's no problem. Uh, you guys uh, get a section of canvas, and you start working on – uh, putting that together. Uh, do before you finish that or get into it, because it's going to be 20, 30 minutes of work. Do you, uh, what do you do about the fact that, um, you know, uh, you still haven't found Bowden shots? Who do you report that to? So I guess when I come down to call for him, I'll let them know in that gondola, uh, you know, I was looking for 
the, the other telegraph operator. Uh, I can't find him. You know, we have this hole in the canvas. Call this other guy up. When Krebs comes, relay the same information. Hey, I didn't see him in the back, but, you know, we've got a hole. We've got to get this fixed. This is more important right now. He's either on the ship or he's not. Like, yeah, it's, right. it's um, an A-B situation. Well, you've spoken like a true engineer. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, I am going to go ahead and do one thing to you. Because you're a player character, I'm not going to allow you to get too engaged in what's going on in the Jeffrey tube unless it's like super, you know, uh, uh, critical to the plot sort of things. You put Krebs and another uh, machinist to work fixing that. Okay, you can fine. go tell Ken what the problem is. And you on the way down... You can run into uh, Dr. Crone, who will also tell you what he's discovered by searching, which is nada. Neither of you found Bupkis. You still haven't right. searched the uh, ladders. You haven't searched, I don't know, the, uh, the, the machine gunner position on the dorsal surface. That's another possibility, although that would be crazy time. Right, especially at night. But you can see uh, the so stars I so well. <laughs> yeah. So if, if I run into Thorsten on the keel, I'll be like, "Hey, I didn't see him in the back." Yeah. Uh, I and, and let Carl know that uh, he hasn't been found yet. Do you want to investigate the ladders, and then I will come back and help you in a minute? I'm kind of thinking. Well, is there any way that we could detail a couple of guys to to go up and check each ladder? I'm, I'm kind yeah. of yes. That's that's the thing I would I would probably do. Otherwise, that's going to be really really time consuming climbing up and down each ladder. Uh, and then uh, my my thing is there's there's somebody missing, and then there's a hole in the uh, in the exterior surface. I, uh, yeah, I would probably want to check with the dorsal gunners and see if they've seen anything. There's nobody up there manning those gun oh. positions. Oh, because okay. the guns aren't up there. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, then uh, can I go up and look there myself? Of course. Okay, then yeah, uh, we should we should probably try and get like three if we can get like three uh, lower level mates or engineers mates to uh, to investigate the ladders. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I'm I'm just a guest on the ship, but yeah. And then yeah, I want to try and cl uh, climb up to the dorsal surface and uh, Do inspect. Do not underrate yourself, Doctor. You're a valuable member of my crew. <laughs> just have some tea and settle down, fellow. That's right. <laughs> well, um. Perhaps right, I should uh, rephrase, your T is a valuable member of my crew. It is most efficacious. <laughs> most efficacious. Yes. All right. All right. Uh, so, up to the, uh, who's, uh, let's see, because we're, again, I want to try and push all of my uh, player characters into one place. Yeah. Um, uh, do you report any of this to Ken before you check the, um, before you check the, uh, the dorsal machine gun position? Yeah, I'm going to let somebody know before I go uh, up to the exterior of the of the ship. Okay. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll then, you, That's then, you, then you guys poke your noses or drop down into the command gondola and get all, you know, uh, intimate there and oh, report what you've seen. Out. So report what you've seen to Mr. Uh, Mr. Vogler. Um, what do you want to do about this, Mr. Vogler? All right. This is literally a thing that has never happened in the history of the airship service, right? That someone has uh, fallen through the canvas. No one has ever fallen through the canvas uh, before. Um, that doesn't mean that people, and, and for the best of your knowledge, you're unaware of anyone falling out of the airship without anyone noticing. Without authorization. Um, okay. So you, yeah, yeah, papers, please, as you plummet <laughs> two feet per second. No per tickets. Second. Um, <laughs> your right, accident uh, forms were not properly filed. 
this the accident is the unauthorized. Fact that one of the uh, radio operators is missing, and that we have an unknown uh, origin hole in the canvas. Yeah, probably is the sort of thing where you wake up the captain. All right, you um, do. I'm going to do that, and then take charge of this half-wit effort to find our radio operator, which has apparently not been going very well. Excellent. I was hoping something like that would happen. Your captain is awake. You are now in charge of this uh, half-witted effort while he stands around on the bridge and, mm-hmm. you know, says three degrees starboard, two degrees up elevator. Okay. Right. Excellent. Okay. You are now free to get uh, mucked in, sir. I am now free to move about the cabin. Um, okay. I am going I will, to... I will, I will point out by... that the three, the, the three people standing here, you are uh, the only one who is carrying a sidearm. You know it, and that's yeah. the way it's going to be. Uh... We need to, uh, we, you say that the front of the thing has not been searched, the forward keel? Uh, the forward keel has not been searched yet, as far as I know. Okay. Krebs is back there doing sailmate nonsense. You've got two guys going up the, or three guys going up the ladders, right? So yep. that's mm-hmm. going to take care of itself one way or the other. It's as though we suspect something. Um, your, uh, your pa- your, none of your patients have gone missing, have they, Doctor? It's just this radio operator guy? Yeah, to my knowledge, my uh, my patients are all safely freezing to death in the cargo nets. Absolutely, that's why yeah. the tea exists. Um, you, you you counted heads; they're all there. Right. Okay. Uh, all the heads are there anyway. Bodies, not so much. Um, yeah. So let's. It's easier to keep them in the cargo net when it's just heads. Let's the three <laughs> of us uh, move forward. The engineer has checked the other two gondola, the other two engine gondolas, and he's checked the engine and the keel mm-hmm. back there. Uh, yeah. There's nothing on the dorsal. You went up and down the ladder for the dorsal pintle mount yourself, right, Doctor? Uh, I guess I'm in the process of doing that now. He's, he hasn't. He hasn't done it yet. Hasn't done it yet. Okay. So when I talked to uh, um, uh, what's his name, Olbers, Older, Olson, Osler, Osler. 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 When I talked to Osler, Osler uh, it's like, yeah, we sent the doctor up the ladder. To which the response is, oh, did you? Um, all right. Send so, doctors on ladders. Well, right. he's done. Yes. Uh, Osler, uh, let's you and me finish out this forward keel and make absolutely sure that uh, Bowden Shots is not somehow su- uh, succumb to high altitude sickness or something. Yes, sir. Okay. Let's yeah, go. I work on my side of the street. So yes. we're going right. to. Well, if the all doctor guys, was here, he all can you guys, it. All you guys give me spot hidden rules, please. And tell me, only tell me if you crit them. Gobble. I uh, did not. I want an 04. What? Fuck. Okay. <laughs> an 04. Perhaps I shouldn't have said only tell me if you crit them. Um, <laughs> all right, Ken, as you are going up the ladder from the command gondola, uh-huh. you see some tears in the canvas around where the ladder goes into the underside of the airship. That ladder is, you know, if you, you if you look on that command gondola being shot, seen from the front, there are these big, huge wooden, I believe, wooden uh, pylons that hold the gondola onto the bottom of the airship, plus a bunch right, of right, right. heavy-duty steel cables. But um, then the ladder is a little bit behind those, uh, if I remember correctly. You're seeing tears, perhaps it's because of the light from the interior of the gondola shining up on the bottom of the airship. You got just enough of light so you can see that there are tears in the canvas. In fact, there are a lot of tears. They're small. 
they're less like tears and more like um, punctures. All right. Is that uh, is, the, is is that could that be because uh, over enthusiastic uh, ground gunfire might have penetrated no. the gondola or is no or not the gondola or no absolutely not the tears are like this big okay and actually I should make them more V shaped okay Scheisen. they're 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 V shaped with this interior area still sort of attached and flapping around in the wind okay um there's groups right. of them groups there's groups of, of them. yeah. Like in fact, animal there's a, claws. There's like um, uh, they seem to be you know as you're looking at this thing, they're bunched around the uh, ring that goes that is the stabling, all the sort of the framework ring that goes around the airship, you know, that mm -hmm. breaks it into sections. Uh, they're they're they follow that ring up around the side of the airship and disappear from view. So it's like something was climbing along that ring somehow. And their claws sank in? That would be crazy talk. The whole thing is crazy talk. But to imagine what could have done this, uh, leaving a trail of triangular puncture marks as claw marks, it would have been as though some clawed pteranodon had been climbing outside of our... Perhaps zeppelin. some sort of malevolent sloth. Malevolent sloth. I hate those. Is there any other kind? They're the worst. <laughs> But um, um, all right. Well, step one is uh, uh, well, actually we'll, we're climbing up into the keel anyway. <laughs> There's going to be yeah. machine maids there. So yeah. when we get up into the keel, it's like, hey, you guys, go yeah. uh, start fixing that uh, those canvas tears. Yorg uh, takes one of the machinists and goes off to to, to to fix that. Okay, is Yorg's done with the back tear? Oh. Uh, the small tears. Well, um, that's a different story. Yeah. Okay. When he gets, uh, yes, the, the, these these tears are small enough that somebody could actually fix them. Um, yeah. Well, by themselves. I without, order without, machinist mates to go fix them. All right. The going and fixing them is uh, going to be fixing them from the inside out. Nobody's going to scamper around the exterior of the Did uh, not airship. Them to do that. Just want to make sure the audience knows what's happening. Right. Um, I want to also point out that this canvas exterior has nothing to do with the airbags. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's at least, there's like uh, uh, seven inches or something uh, worth of distance between the top and bottom of these triangular shaped beams that create the frame and the canvases on the outside. And the hydrogen bags are first encased by a net that provides a few more inches of space. And then there's an actual bag. And then inside that is that, uh, cow gut that they use gold beater skin to actually keep the hydrogen from leaking out right and um, we so, uh, and we haven't when i was on the on, on the deck of the zeppelin for the last however many hours i hadn't noticed any problems with lift to indicate that something had punctured any of the no, bags all right no so no, no issues with altitude the machine mates go fix those tears i still have to get to the front of the zeppelin and find our missing radio operator okay all right they go to that uh you go to the front of the airship uh, you and uh, Osler? Yes. yes. All right. You find, uh, you search the area with the, uh, the, the, the uh, drop mechanism for the, uh, the, the rope, and you find nothing up there. Go ahead and make me a spot hidden roll. 20 out of 65. 59. Okay. That fails. All right. Um, 
Osler, uh, you spot uh, some more of these tears uh, in this area of the uh, the, the nose. Um, uh, they uh, they look like they're running along uh, the bottom of the keel, or they but and, and um, uh, then disappear up around behind where one of the uh, the, the, the hydrogen cell is right behind you. And I, and I just mumble something like you know savages assuming that you know it's the uh shot up the ship okay um noted for the repair roster uh yes i will inform um carl as well that you know there are some tears along the front okay when they complete the uh the repairs uh above the uh the control gondola we'll have to send them up here as well uh, Mr. Height, or rather Mr. Vogler, anything you got to say and do about those tears? Uh, my engineer's taking care of those tears. Got it. Um, now, Dr. Krohn. Yes. You've climbed that first ladder. Yes. You get up to the top of it, and you find uh, the, the hatch, such as it is, right. is a zipper. Is literally a zipper. Yeah. I mean, that, it's just a piece of canvas and zipper up there. It's closed. Um, the other things that are up there at the top are, there is actually a, uh, a spool of steel cable that you can unwind and there is a, uh, a hook or a carbonate carbonier that you can attach to rings on the outside of your outfit. If you were to go out on the surface side of it. Yeah. 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 So do you hook up before you unzip as it were? Uh, Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Normally, this is a two-man operation, but you didn't know that coming up here. <laughs> no, no. Somebody uns- Usually, there's a guy unspooling the, the cable, right. locking it, so it doesn't. So when you fall, you don't zip all the way to the end of the cable. Sure. sure. Uh, and then dangle. Um, there's somebody unspooling it, so you, if you slip, you only fall the 10 feet you got spooled out. Right. But if you unlock it and go up there, at least you won't fall off the airship. You may hang outside until a hypothermia claims you, but you won't fall <laughs> off the airship. Oh. So, uh, you, you hook up and yeah. then you unzip, right? Right. Okay. Right. The wind goes up. It's loud out here. Um, but it's also the first thing you're greeted with is a canopy of stars overhead. Uh, you were doing one of the things that I, I always wished I could do whenever I see those pictures of the crews working on the top of the Graf Zeppelin. Right. Uh, the thought of standing on top of one of those things while it's aloft is just, <laughs> I mean... That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's so the only they, reason to keep watching the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there you are. With any luck, some giant guy in prosthetic makeup will not chase you down <laughs> the airship with an oversized <laughs> wrench yeah. while it explodes. Look all you want. Um, I do not believe an auto gyro with Howard Hughes is coming anytime soon. Ooh. Um, All right. Yeah, I'm going to go in, in the plod back uh, sternward in the direction of where the uh, the uh, the rupture was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you get, So you unzipped, you looked around outside. There's nobody in the little area. Right. Uh, that's up there. Um, give me a spot hidden. All righty. Whoa, 92. Okay. You're definitely <laughs> on an airship. <laughs> um, down you go. Do you zip up on your way back? Uh, yes. Oh, you detach, you go down, and you stick, you just keep sticking your head up at various uh, openings. Right. Okay. Give me a luck roll, please. Oh, Uh-oh. sorry. Oh, God. 36. 
Okay. Yeah, my luck is uh, 60. Okay. Give me a uh, spot hidden roll, please. In fact, oh, give right. me several. Uh, okay. Spend, uh, hold, hold on. Let me just a second. Let me actually give you a, a number that you need to, number of times you need to do this. Okay. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Um, just get started and um, let me, and uh, tell me what you roll. All right. I got 38. Out of? Uh, uh, 60. Okay, next? Yes, 61. Mm Mm-hmm. 25. Mm Mm-hmm, okay. Now, you are right at the uh, area of the um, airship that puts you perpendicular with the engine nacelles, right? Okay, okay. Um, That's the area of your, you know, if if you take your ladder straight down, You'll be at the spot where you would go over left and right, port starboard, right. to get into the engine nasals. That's the spot you're at. So okay. you go up, you look out, you look, you open, zip, unzip the thing, pull the thing down, looked out. Mm-hmm. What you see, uh, you see what appears to be a figure on the outside of the airship, laying face down on the dorsal surface of the airship. They're between this hatch or this opening, and the next one further back. Right. And you can see the wind uh, sort of, you know, tugging at their uh, uniform, and they're laying there on the deck. All right. And, and not, not uh, doesn't have a, a line or anything? I mean, seven or five, so not, 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 tell. Yeah. not from this opening. Maybe he's right. got one from behind, and it's again, it's dark out. There's right. very little light up here. Um, you're really working under starlight for the most part. Oh, right. Probably do this. Let's see what phase of the moon we're in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that proves that it's not important to the scenario, right? <laughs> oh, awesome. An eight. It's a full moon. It is absolutely a big, bright moon. So, yeah, you Beautiful. can actually see this guy pretty good. All right. And, and can I reach you, him you, or do I need to come back? You'd, yeah. have to, you'd have to emerge and move along the exterior of the right. airship to reach right. him. Right. Right, right. Golly. Well, uh, then, yeah, I'd better go back and report that, I, that I've seen him, at least. Okay. Uh, do you move safely, or do you move enough, fast enough that you're going to need to climb roll? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to be kind of hurrying, so, yeah, yeah. Give I'm me a safe. climb roll. You got it. Oh, 71, and my climb is 55. Okay. Uh, you... Bungle it, but you don't yeah. um, you don't fumble it, which means you do not fall. It means right. you can move as fast as you yeah. wanted to. That sure. would be pertinent when something is behind you. Sure, sure. At the moment, that's not permanent. That's not permanent. Okay. okay. Um, Knock on wood. Yeah. So uh, you get down to the bottom. You shouldn't yeah. be hard to find these guys. Find some player characters. Bang. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you tell them? I, I told them I, I, I think I found the uh, uh, the radio operator. There's a body laying up on the dorsal surface of the uh, ship. So uh, we could probably get a couple of guys and we can go find him yeah, or recover him. Detail. Whatever happened to those guys we had climbing all the other ladders? Did they ever come back and report? Um, yeah, they would have come back and report that they didn't Great. see anything. And here's their new reward for doing it badly. They have to <laughs> go up the ladder to the hatch that he's nearest and climb out okay. on the uh, surface and recover his damn body. They look at each other and they're like, well, um, you know, they're, they're, they're happy, to, happy to, sir. Uh, however, I will point out that machinist mates 
uh, Kessler and Lautenbach say, hey, we already, we already checked that uh, hatch and there was, no, we didn't, there was nobody up there. Well, there's somebody up there now. You're calling uh, the good doctor a liar, machinist mate? They, they look at each other and they're like, oh, no, sir, we're, we're right on it. And they go right. and hustle and, to um, make it happen. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm going to send another guy back to get, uh, what's his name? Krebs. Okay. Former circus yeah. ac acrobat. Sailmaker. Yeah. If he's, if he's okay. done lollygagging around not repairing my Zeppelin, mm -hmm. maybe he can go lollygag uh, around and not rescue my crewman. <laughs> uh, Krebs uh, is retrieved. Uh, basically what happens is, is that uh, Lauterbach ends up uh, working in the back of the Zeppelin and Krebs moves forward. He takes, machinist, he takes machinist Kessler and is like, sir, we'll get this guy, we'll get Bowden shots back and we'll lower him down and the doctor will see to his injuries. Um, doctor, do you want to, do you want to, uh, uh, come up to the top of the ladder and assess his injuries before we try and move him too far? Yes. Yes. Okay. What are you doing with yourself, uh, uh, Albert? And what are you doing with yourself, Mr. Vogler? John first. I uh, will assist if, if possible. Um, okay. Either in going out and grabbing the guy or if we have people to do that, you know, helping, you know, maneuvering him back down the ladder. Okay. People do that. Okay. Uh, the good news is, is that uh, that uh, winch with the steel cable that's up at the top for letting you go out on the top of the airship, uh, you could certainly attach one of those carboneers to his uh, jumpsuit and lower him down the ladder if he is completely unconscious. Okay. That would be an option. Great. Um, I will also point out that, you know, from, the, from you guys' position, uh, you are still, you know, uh, uh, there's the two engine gondolas or the two engine nacelles on either side of you, so there's still men there uh, if you need them. So right now what we've got is Krebs, Kessler, uh, you, and you three all together. Um, I presume that Ken, as uh, Mr. Vogler and Mr. Oster, will be at the bottom of the ladder, and the yes. three others will move up to the top. Correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes. Okay. So, boom, that happens. All right. Doctor, it's a... Uh, it's a little tight, and it's a one-at-a-time sort of thing, and you were the last guy going up. Right. But um, at the top, you can look up and see the uh, bottoms of the boots of your other two crewmen as right. they uh, hook up Mr. Krebs right. and uh, proceed to let him go out on the surface of the airship, okay. which he does. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.